And they said, Sir, we remember that when he was still alive, that deceiver said, After three days, I am to rise again. We remember that. Now that's interesting. We have just witnessed the disciples just not getting it. And here you have the very guys that are going to arrest Him and crucify Him. And they're saying, we remember what He said. We remember that when He was still alive that the deceiver said, after three days I am to rise again. The resurrection. Now He said that. Do they really believe it? Mm, No. Therefore, give orders for the grave to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, His disciples may come and steal Him away. They'll rob the grave and say to the people, He has risen from the dead. That's what we're going to do because He said He was going to raise from the dead. We don't believe that, but I'll tell you what. We need to do something to keep from that happening. So the last deception will be worse than the first. And Pilate said to them, You have a guard. Go make it as secure as you know how. Do the best you can. (laughs) They went and made the grave secure, and along with the guard, they set a seal on the stone. Nobody gets in there. The Roman seal. You don't break that seal. Nobody breaks that seal. That's high security. Well, um, they're concerned, but they remember. They remember about him saying uh, that. He would rebuild the temple. And by that, he was talking about himself. But they remembered that he said he was going to rise again. Disciples steal the body, hide it. You know what? What about that body? What happened inside that tomb? Nobody was in there, but Jesus' body. No human hands got him out. Not one human could do that. That was not going to happen. The tomb was sealed. Now we read earlier Matthew 28, the first seven verses. Here's the confusion of the women. We've seen the disciples. We also know the confusion of Jesus' enemies, obviously. How about the women? They're the ones who are going to show up on the first day of the week. And... Knowing his body, uh, have that taken care of. Yes. Honor to him, and that was a traditional thing to do. They, they went to the tomb of the dawning of the day, of the first day of the week. That's what we celebrate, right? They were wondering. You know, while we're going there, I wonder how we'll get into the tomb. <laughs> how are they going to get in there? Do, do they even know that it's sealed and that they're guards? I mean, what are we going to do? They're wondering, you know, we have to put the spices on the on the carcass. We have to do that. So they expected to see the stone be moved somehow. If that be the case, if there's a stone there, you know, how are we going to get in there? Well, stone is rolled away. Have you ever wondered? I wonder how this is going to happen. This seems impossible. And then, very soon you see that there is no stumbling block in front of you at all. It's already been removed. Oh, wow. You know, has that ever happened to you? 
You ever been worried? You ever been concerned what's going to happen the next day? And God just removes the stone away? Have you ever seen that? Oh, yeah. Quite frequently that happens. Um, An earthquake angel. We don't need an earthquake for Jesus to get out of the tomb. Remember, this is a glorified, resurrected body. There's nothing going to stop Him. That's not for Him to get out, but it's for the disciples to come in and see. Come and see, right? The first piece of historical evidence for the resurrection is the displaced stone. Chapter 28, verse 1, After the Sabbath it began to dawn toward the first day of the week. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. There you have the, the two Marys mentioned. Sometimes you'll just see one. Sometimes two. It doesn't make it uh, an error. Just you have extra witnesses. Behold, a severe earthquake had occurred. I know earthquakes are pretty bad. But this thing's severe. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven, came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. It's like lightning. His clothing white as snow. It's it's brighter than the launderer's soap. It's bright as could be. You ever taken chrome and put wax on it and shined it and the sun is shining and all of a sudden you go, whoa, you know, you hit the reflection it comes right into your eyes. (laughs) This is bright. You're a guard. Earthquake. Angel. Stone being moved. What would you think? What is going on? Well, anyway, stone is moved because people need to get in there. Jesus is out of there. He isn't here. That's what the angel says. Angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus who has been crucified. I know what you're here for. He is not here, for he has risen just as he said. He has risen. Well, that's pretty obvious because he's not there. Something has happened. He's not there, but the risen part is not so obvious to the women, right? He's not here, but. He's risen. Hmm. Come see. You know where he's at. That's where he was at. He's gone. And you remember that the disciples are in a fog. She's going to speak from the fog. She, everything's real cloudy to everybody. And so let's go to John twenty. Now, now, what does the angel say? He has risen, right? He's not here. He has risen. They'll quickly tell the disciples that He's risen from the dead. Now, what does He say? He's risen from the dead. Go tell the disciples that. Go tell them that. Well, we look in John 20, and John wrote his Gospel many years later, probably sometime back in the 90s, over 60 years later, about the time of my lifetime. John is living in the 90s a rather old man probably in his 90s 80s he gets the privilege of writing this 
He tells this because he went there to the tomb. Matter of fact, he didn't just go there. He ran there. This guy must have been a track star. He's fast. At least he's fast enough to beat Peter. I don't know how fast Peter was. But I have to think, if his, if his feet are as fast as his mouth, the guy can really hop foot it. You know what I mean? John 20, verse 2. Uh, verse 1. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark, saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. So she ran, came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple. doesn't mention his name. We know who this is. This is John whom Jesus loved, he refers to himself that way, said to them, they've taken away the Lord out of the tomb. We don't know where they laid him. Now what did the angel tell her? (coughs) He's risen. (coughs) Go tell them that. That that he rose from the dead. (coughs) Go tell him that. We don't know where he's at. We don't know where they've laid him. They've taken him away. They stole his body. That's not resurrection. So Peter and the other disciple went forth and they were going to the tomb. (coughs) The two were running together. And you know what? I can't imagine that. Wouldn't you want to get there as quick as you could? You know, they, they know she's not lying. Something was really strange. Let's go. And knowing Peter, he comes flying, running out of there, and you know, John passes him by. They're running together. wonder if it was like a 5K. The other disciples ran ahead faster. The other disciple, John. Then Peter came to the tomb first. And stooping... And looking in, he saw blepo. Means he saw it. He noticed it. This foot race. When's the race? John glances. He sees. He uh, gets an idea. You know, there's something here. You know, he he, he blepos. He, he sees it. And, and we point that word out because there's another word coming up and then another one. John glances at the wrappings. That's what he sees. He sees the wrappings and it's kind of dark. He doesn't go in. Man, I mean, he's checking it out. He's looking in there. And then Peter finds... And, and there is John, you know, at the opening and Peter comes up there. He's get out of the way. And he goes on in. You know, you know Peter. You know, I mean, he's pretty forceful, right? And that's what happens. That's, that's what it says here, right? The two were running together. That disciple ran ahead faster, and Peter came to the tomb first. And stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. And so that, that's John. And so Simon Peter also came, following him, and entered the tomb. That's Peter. He entered there because. He was supposed to go in there. He's supposed to go in. That's why the it had been stone been rolled away. And he saw the linen wrappings lying there. And the face cloth, which had been on his head, 
not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. So the other disciple, John, who had first come to the tomb and then also entered, now he enters, and he saw and believed. Now back in verse 6, you remember, um, John saw blepo. Peter comes along, and this word this time is something where he really examines it. He saw the linen wrappings lying there. He gets to perceive, really gets to examine, to really check it out. And so Peter analyzed this, the linen wrappings, the cloth over Jesus' head had been folded. Uh, It's folded up. It's lying apart from the wrappings. What? I mean, when they see this, they know something really miraculous has happened. Something has happened. So John, then it says, goes in. And what does it say there? The other disciple, he saw and believed. You know what this is? This is where he studies and analyzes. He believes. He doesn't really get it, but he believes. He doesn't have all the theology on this at all. He just he knows that this is incredible. The way that they were laid there. If somebody's stolen, they want to keep him in that, don't they? First of all. But it's it's so unique in the way that it laid. And it was like the body had just came out and there they were still in their place, but yet there was no form in it. And you know the, the wrappings, you think of Lazarus, how he was wrapped up and Jesus called him out of the tomb. I mean, that's how he's wrapped up. And once you take those wrappings, I mean, how could you have the same kind of form again if there's nobody in there. So the, the form is there. and There's the head. Merrill Tinney said about this, he says, this thing's starting to click a little bit for the disciples. <laughs> he says, uh, the word used to describe the napkin or the head cloth does not continue, uh, or uh, does not connote a, a flat folded square like a table napkin. But it's a ball of cloth bearing the appearance of being rolled around an object that was no longer there. It was still rolled around, and yet the object is not in there. The wrappings were in position where the head had been, separated from the others by the distance, forms the armpits to the neck. The shape of the body was still apparent in them, but the flesh and bone had disappeared. The wrappings were intact, but there was no body. That's a little eerie when Peter and John are looking at this. They know that this could not happen unless there has been a resurrection, some kind of miracle. So you have two more eyewitnesses. They saw the displaced stone, the empty tomb, and the grave clothes that have been disturbed, but they're they're empty. And so, you know, we're talking about a physically glorified state. 
And we're talking about there was a molecular structure involved that had been wrapped up, and he has the ability to slip out of these kind of wrappings and get out of that stone, solid grave. Nobody could have done that. So the disciples, they didn't really understand the resurrection. John sees, he believes, the abandoned grave clothes, they provided tangible evidence. And we go to John 19, 20, verse 19. 20 and 19. So, when it was evening on that day, same day, first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came, stood in their midst, and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side, and the disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them, said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forget the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. Thomas wasn't there at the time. We know the story. Jesus, in a very gentle way, just shows up where these disciples are, scared to death, hiding behind a locked door. Now, you can say, my Bible doesn't say locked. It says the doors were shut. Well, the actual meaning of that word shut means locked. They're scared. If you were in a group, if we were being challenged today by persecutors, and we had to scatter, and then we said, hey, hey, meet over at Bob's house at 7 o'clock tonight, and come in the back door, be discreet. You know, lights out, doors locked, we're trying to figure out what we're going to do. Right? That's what they're doing. Because they know if they took the leader, who are they going to come after? Followers, right? And he just doesn't... He could have unlocked the door. Jesus could do that from the outside. He just was not there and then He was there. That's what glorified resurrection bodies do. Amazing. Locked doors mean nothing to a glorified body. Do you see why glorified bodies and this earth is not going to work? Because in heaven, there won't be any locks. Right? Nobody's going to steal anything there. Boy, if we had locks, but people could go in all the time, then why would you have locks? They're going to go ahead and steal it anyway. Well, that's sin. Sin can't exist in glorified state, can it? His body was absolutely diametrically different from anything that had ever been here on earth amongst men. He was no longer restricted in any sense. He could go where he wanted, when he wanted, as quick as he wanted to in an instant. That's 
a resurrection body. He could appear. He could disappear. He could be standing right in front of you and in a split moment, He's gone. You go, what happened? He could pass unhindered through a rock wall. Amazing. Do you think Muhammad could do that? Confucius? Buddha? Abraham? He did not depend on the earth's environment for any kind of nourishment. He didn't need nourishment. But he could eat. And it is nice to eat, isn't it? And he didn't have to worry about gaining weight. <laughs> so if you wanted to take of something that's really nice, and you guys are probably going to have your Resurrection Day meal here pretty shortly, and you look forward to that scrumptious ham, or beef, or whatever, fish, he could eat bread. He could just eat that and relish it, the honey, the fish. We see that happening. Glorified body doesn't have to. That's great. It's not that, oh, I'm so hungry, I'm famished. It's something that, hey, I think I'll eat this because it's enjoyable. He could appear as an apparition. People could not recognize him. He could be unrecognized by his former friends and then be recognized. He could speak in old, familiar tones that they'd recognize and they know it's him. And then other times he could speak and they had no idea. He was marked with all the scars of the cross. Distance was no consequence to him at all. And in an instant, if it be wherever we want to go in uh, eternity, in the universe, we could be there without a moment. You don't have to pack your bags. Spiritual body could be here and then suddenly gone exactly where it needed to go. Just like that. Cars, trucks, planes, those things are nothing (laughs) in the place that we are scheduled to go, folks. Don't have to worry about taking your car to the mechanic anymore and wondering how you're going to get ripped off. Peace. Because of their fear, He gently tells them peace. He assures them all is well. Everything's fine. It's okay. It's good. He showed His hands. showed His sight. He didn't have to do that. Could have played around with Him a little bit. Go boom. (laughs) Peace. No crucified victims ever lived to tell their story. He's a crucified victim that lives. So he tells them. I'm sure he said something. Do you remember what I told you? (laughs) It's okay. okay. Do you remember what I said? And then a week later, John 20, 26, after eight days, the disciples were again inside. A week later, they're they're still hiding out. And Thomas was with them. Jesus came the doors having been shut. <laughs> Locked. He stood in the midst. He wasn't here. There he is. He's standing there. Can you imagine that? This is real. This is not a fairy tale. This is real. This is more real than any kind of real story we've ever heard in our lives. He stood in the midst and said, what did he say? Peace be with you. 
He didn't come out and say, Thomas, what in the world is wrong with you? What are you? What you're doubting, Thomas? You're going to be known as doubting Thomas from here on. What an idiot you are! No, peace. He turned to Thomas and said, "Here, reach here with your finger. See my hands. These are real. Reach, reach here your hand and, and put it into my side. And do not be unbelieving, but believing." Boy, the grace of God. The mercy of God. The love of God is seen here. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. You know what he's saying? Jesus, you are God. Who else could come back from the dead and live? Christianity is so unique. There's only one way. There's only one Jesus. There's only one Lord. There's only one God. He is one of the triune members. Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, have you believed? Blessed are the ones who do not see, did not see, and yet believed. You're blessed. He assures them, Thomas, it's okay. He doesn't say, I'm ashamed of you, Thomas. He says, Hey, put your right hand here. Put your hand right here and just feel it. Check it out. That's all he needed. You know what? The indisputable evidence of the transformation of all of this is about? One of the greatest evidences is what happened to the disciples. The most remarkable proof of the power of Christ's resurrection is what happened to these disciples who were so scared. Even a week later, they're locked up in that room after they had even seen Jesus and He appears again. They've been scared all the way through here. When they truly, truly believed, and then later after they're filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, a total transformation. They had been afraid. They had been disillusioned. They were overwhelmed. They were apprehensive. They had denied the Lord. They had doubted Him and fled But it says in the book of Acts that they turned the world upside down. The same guys as they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And the heart of their story every time was the resurrection of Jesus Christ who came back from the dead. The gospel is is that He died to pay for our sins. And we were justified whenever He arose. And what does that mean to us as we close out here on our message? We too are His witnesses. We are His disciples. Jesus came back from the dead so that we might live as He lived and claim the very triumph that He has provided. He died to give us new life that we would never die. You have eternal life, you'll never die. Your body will, but you won't. You're empowered to be witnesses. The tomb of Abraham, it was occupied. The tomb of Buddha, it was occupied. The tomb of Mohammed, occupied. The tomb of Jesus, empty. That is great proof. Christianity alone is based on a living person. No other religions have that. 
He alone offers the sufficient power to transform our lives. You too are a living witness to the world of how your life has changed. Can, can you look at your life and honestly say, because of the power of God's Word, the power of the Holy Spirit, that I have been transformed. And He continues to transform me. If that be so, praise the Lord. If it not be so, then you have to look at these truths and say, if all the other religions are wrong and this is the right way, I'm wrong and I have to trust in His sacrifice. Or you say, I just can't believe it. So do millions of others. Billions. But the fact is, you have the written, living Word that attests. And when there were 500 witnesses that saw the risen Lord, despite even all this evidence right here, and all those 500 witnesses, they deny that. Some people would even be so stupid to say that Jesus never even lived on earth. And that's just absolutely ridiculous. Historically, He was here. And our Bible gives us many clues. <coughs> there were even secular sources that said something about His resurrection. And the Christians and the apostles, would they go out and witness for Him if He really didn't resurrect? What would they be doing? They would be fools of fools to say that He resurrected knowing that they too will be persecuted. And then you look at your life and look what God has done to you. Sinners changed, transformed. The power of the resurrection. That we look to get the body like what Christ had whenever it's time. Isn't that something to look forward to? Let's pray. Father, thank You for eternal life. Thank You for this Gospel, the old, old story. And it's too true. It's too true to to deny. Thank You for waking us up, for we would have been the same way as the disciples earlier and not have an idea what was going on, not have a clue. And yet Your Scripture has always said that these things had to happen. All through the Old Testament it said that. To suffer and die and then raise again. And now we have this proof of Christ. Thank you for this special day. And as we come to our conclusion of it, as we rejoice in song and communion, may this really give a true joy and lift us up even more than ever before. The power of your Word and your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.
the mystery. Bread of heaven broken for us. The cup of salvation celebrates Jesus, the mystery. He died, He rose again, He will come again. He is our everything. And so, the bread, the cup, they help us to remember what He did for us, what He continues to do, and what He will do to finish it out. And so, we come to the table as part of this great celebration. It has been a wonderful day today. I always look forward to this day every year. Every Sunday is that way, but there's something special about this day when God's people come together. You, you kind of anticipate it, don't you? And you think on Friday, you think about that death and the burial and the resurrection. That's what we've done. We have <coughs> Thank you guys for coming out and helping me celebrate. Communion together. What a joy. Knowing that Christ is the one who makes it special. <coughs> we could have prayer from Luke. On our thoughts. Father, I was uh, thinking about how that you had ministered to your disciples before your crucifixion. And you gave them a word. You said, peace I give unto you. Peace I live unto you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. And 
it was the same very Christ who after he rose from the grave came in the midst of your disciples again and again you gave them Irene Irene <coughs> peace be unto you and Father, only a, only God, only our Lord and Savior can give us peace. The world has no means of doing that. We have no means of, of mustering up any kind of peace within ourselves. It's a peace that gives us a satisfied soul of being in the very presence of our Lord. That, that is to me to say, I serve a risen Savior because He's still giving peace. And, and that peace that you gave your disciples, I have that peace. And when my soul is in turmoil, and when I, and I get in trouble, and when any of us do that, you don't come with a rushing hand and say, what is wrong with you? You say, peace. I want to thank you for that. And, and I want to thank you that, that we truly serve a risen Savior. And I thank you that, that we can enjoy that every single day. We, we enjoy you. And, and, and a relationship that we have with you through the very blood that you shed for us. So, we come before you and say, thank you. Thank you. I wish that there was more that we could say. Simple word. But yet we say it with our hearts. We are so grateful that you died upon the cross and you rose again. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And we take these elements realizing the peace that he has given us. Supper was uh, instituted at Passover. And that's right at the end of that Passover feast the Jews always did. And for the first time ever, it, uh, as it was instituted. And it turned it into something that was complete because he says, I am that living bread. Let's all stand. And we're going to sing a chorus of one of the all-time favorites for Easter. And when you think about all that Christ has done, you think about the things that are in our own lives that are not what we like to be. And all the things that go on, we can still keep going through. We face tomorrow. Because he lives. Because he lives. I 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Miss Mirka. Really? Okay. What? Mirka. Yeah, we mean this. You guys just, you know, you it's like you you rehearse the stuff, but actually it's just impromptu. Right. You nail it. Okay, guys, I'm gonna give you an option. Either McDonald's. Least chicken or Sonic? Pick up a water. Um, you can pick two. Least chicken, Sonic, or McDonald's. Okay, well, to surprise you, you um, you guys ride together. You go back to your place, Mickey. Change your clothes. Get your backpack and stuff. Okay, we'll go back. Go with him, and then um, change. I did that this morning. Woke up at 8. Oh. Just got to do that. You want to take that with you? Or you take it home? Well, you need to tell me where to go. I'll tell you. See you guys later. Happy Easter. And I got enough for you free for Mickey at home. Chocolate. I was weird. Like, why did Strat fail? Yeah, I must have been not Yeah, the way you're holding Like, they just have a certain way that you have a ball. It never goes through that. Yeah. Awesome. These are pretty. Yeah. These are. I'm Mary Magdalene and Lauren. Lehman.